Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Very Cold Lasagna Podcast, your place for all those filthy casual takes on the world of sports. I'm your host, Dylan Lasagna. This is episode number 182 of this icy yet spicy podcast. And in this episode, excuse me, <laughs> we're here to talk about an emergency situation. And what is that emergency situation? For some of you that may be wondering, well, that emergency situation that people are claiming as is some things that happened on the WWE Friday Night Smackdown episode on February 2nd, 2024. So not too long ago, this past Friday. And we're going to talk about it in this pseudo late out of date uh, review of that episode of Smackdown. So it's been a little while since I've d- covered a episode of Smackdown actually like over two years ago. <laughs> so a very long while since I talked about Smackdown or any general like like WWE weekly TV show. I mean, obviously I've done pay-per-views, reviewed the pay-per-views, but yeah, TV, uh, weekly WWE TV, uh, yeah, uh, not my cup of tea, but there were some things that happened on this show um, as, you know, I decided, you know what, before the Super Bowl, um, you know, take a little bit of, of a breather, relax, um, because we've been on the grind since well since the entire NFL season, and this was a time to to kick kick back, relax, and you know catch up on a little bit of wrestling because you know we had the Royal Rumble, um, and it's Fallout on not just Raw but on SmackDown too, and yeah decided to catch up on on SmackDown too, and oh boy, there were some things that happened on this show that um, I did like, but yeah there was also some stuff I didn't like either. Um, but especially the ending, it was very divisive. It was a very divisive end to that show. But I mean, you already see it in the thumbnail, whether it's on YouTube or you're listening to this on your favorite podcast platform that Very Cold Lasagna is on. But it was a very divisive ending to that show that's gonna send this road to WrestleMania 40 in a frenzy. It's certainly feeling extra large in some kind of way now. <laughs> oh boy. But we'll talk about it. In this pseudo SmackDown uh, review for the episode of February 2nd, 2024. Before we do that, let's do a little bit of housekeeping before we get started. Make sure you follow Very Cold Lasagna on social media on the X and Instagram at Very Cold Lasagna. If you're listening to this on audio, uh, make sure you rate and review the show however you want to rate it, whether it's one to five stars. And if you're, you want to leave some feedback, I appreciate it so much. And if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you smash the like button, smash the subscribe button, leave a comment with your takes on each and every topic that I I mention in each episode, especially this one because we have a lot to say <laughs> about what's, what happened at the end uh, of this episode of SmackDown. And then share this with your friends, share this with a stranger, share this with your neighbors, uh, share this with your coworkers, your colleagues, um, anybody. Um, spread it, spread the good or bad word of mouth about very cold lasagna this show right here where we give you my filthy casual takes on the world of wrestling the nfl and the occasional other sports that we like to talk about uh here on very cold lasagna so with that being said let's talk about this episode of smackdown for february 2nd 2024 um the general crux of this show was centered around uh the royal rumble fallout on the smackdown side of things um but more so around the Royal Rumble winners that have yet to make their decisions. The American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes, and the role model, Bailey. Um, they were expected to make their final decisions on which champions they wanted to face 
at WrestleMania. So they they made their they made their initial statements on on Raw a couple of days prior, but then certain things happened. Certain things happened on that on that Raw after the Royal Rumble, and their decisions got pushed to here. So now it's net busting time. It's time to see who they were going to decide. Were they going to for Cody Rhodes? Was he going to face the World Heavyweight Champion Seth Rollins, or was he going to face uh, the Tribal Chief, the WWE Champion Roman Reigns in a rematch of last year's WrestleMania? Meanwhile, for the Women's Royal Rumble winner Bailey, uh, was she going to face the Women's World Champion Rhea Ripley? Or was she going to face the WWE Women's Champion EO Sky um, at WrestleMania? So some other things that were going to happen on this show, like the other main thing was uh, the United States Champion Logan Paul addressing his disqualification win over his challenger Kevin Owens at the Royal Rumble. Um, for those that were unaware, uh, Kevin Owens lost that match via disqualification after he got caught using uh, some brass knuckles that were originally intended for Logan Paul to use. Uh, to cheat his way to win, but it backfired and Kevin Owens used it only to get caught and then that led to his disqualification loss. So that's where we were uh, heading into this SmackDown um, this past Friday. So there's really not much else um, to look forward to on this episode. Um, so that being said, there was a lot uh, else to say about the um, the main hit, main hitters, which were the Royal Rumble winners making their decisions so that being said let's just go through the quick hitters um that that i claimed were were such so we're just gonna go through um all this stuff that was like yes okay uh we'll we'll talk about uh what what happened what else happened on the show first and then we'll get to the big meat of the bones which i think is was the decisions that were to be made by the royal rumble winners so we actually got a new comment. First off, we actually got a new commentary team, uh, so so of Corey Graves and Way Barrett. Um, so this is an interesting dynamic, you know, because Corey Graves, um, some of you may have heard him. Uh, he's actually done color and anal- analysis uh, beforehand. So this is his actual first uh, play-by-play. So he's like the lead commentator. Think of for NFL uh, people out there. You know, your Joe Bucks, your Kevin Harlins, your Ian Eagles, um, who is in a great Gumbles or your Pat Summerall's. Um, so, so, I mean, Corey Graves, obviously not <laughs> at the level of them, but uh, I'm just saying. Uh, and if you get one detective with WWE, I mean, you know, Royal Monsoon, Jim Ross, Michael Cole, so and so. So, for Corey Graves, this was definitely new territory for him. Uh, his first time stepping into the play by play role. But I mean, He's had experience. He's had some experience doing lead commentary, like lead, you know, calling the action, um, you know, guy like guy in the way because, you know, you have to consider like who he's had as as his partners, you know, in, you know, of course in the role of the color analyst and then you know, the uh, the actual his partner that's doing the play by trying to do the play by play. You know, Kevin Patrick who are, who got fired last week. Um, Jenny Smith, the MMA commentator. I mean, the only decent one out of the bunch. Um, and then we all remember Adnan Burke, the MLB on TV guy. Oh boy, remember Adnan Burke? All we ro- how hard we roasted his ass. Oh man, years ago during that pandemic, like in the late stages of that pandemic era. Adnan Burke, good, good, good guy to roast. Um, yeah, 
So Corey Graves, you know, he had had some experience stepping into the play-by-play role. So, but this was going to be his first crack at doing it full time. So, um, it, honestly, was it too bad? It wasn't too bad to listen to Graves and Barrett at first. Um, a little rough around the edges, but honestly, not too bad. Really, not too bad. I think it was decent, but I think at some point in time, though, you know, eventually. Um, I think having two heel commentators, I mean, I think Corey Graves is still like that heel, heelish commentator. I don't think it's going to cut it because, you know, you, you, you can't, it's, it's going to, it's, it, it feels like, it'll feel like two similar in styles. It's like, it's like, oh, hey, buddy. Hey, hey, John. And it's like, you know, it's like two camaraderie, like in, in commentary. It's like, you got to have a clash in styles. Like, you know, like, like peak Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler, like, Jerry Lawler was like clashing with Jim Ross, like when Jerry Lawler was a heel. I mean, not to say that you know, you know, ruthless aggression, Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler. You know, when Jerry Lawler was a face, uh, face two, that didn't work either. But it's just like, you know, you have to have some semblance. So I, I mean, Corey Grace can be a tweener, and and such. But it's just like you can't have, in my opinion, you can't have two heel and heel. I, I it might not work out. Um, so you have to have some kind of like. Deferring personalities like you know Graves maybe be a tweener um, that can clash with Wade Barrett who still mostly favors the heels. So that's your new commentary team. I mean I think it's off to a decent start. I mean much better than Kevin Patrick. <laughs> I mean no disrespect, but uh, yeah he really wasn't an ideal fit. So anyway we started off the show with Logan Paul the United States champion addressing um, his Royal Rumble victory. Uh, over Kevin Owens, um, he he's just basically you know doing Logan Paul things like admitting uh, admitting victory and saying things that oh hey uh, he'll give Kevin Kevin Owens credit and like doing more he Kevin Owens did more damage um, in their match at the Royal Rumble than Floyd Mayweather did in Logan Paul's fight years ago, but the facts are facts. Logan uh, Logan Paul beat Kevin Owens, so. Logan Paul, he went on to claim that, oh, he's tough. Um, he's tough during the time when WrestleMania is a mess with injuries in these, well, he didn't say scandals, but he's implying that WrestleMania is a mess. So anyway, Kevin Owens comes out. Um, he wants a fair rematch for the title, but Logan Paul didn't want to give it to him. So Logan Paul said, uh, you're not getting your rematch. I'm going to go on commentary while you have your match with Austin Theory. So they have a, he has a match with Austin Theory. Um, Owens won using the brass knuckles um, that Logan Paul threw in the ring, meant for theory. But yeah, after Owens used the brass knucks, this time he wasn't a dumbass. He learned his lesson, and he hid him away from the referee. Um, so that got him the win, and then he chased away Logan Paul. So, I mean, it's pretty obvious that they're going for the rematch, I think. I think they're going for the rematch in perp, unless, unless they're doing an elimination chamber for the U.S. title, which... I don't know. Do you even have enough challengers for the U.S. title over on SmackDown? I don't know. It's it's a little weird, but anyway, um, yeah, it's pretty obvious that, like, I think that they're gonna do a rematch f- between Logan Paul and Kevin Owens and in Perf for the Chamber pay per view. So these are basically your next steps for that. So yeah, Logan Paul, you just went barging in to Nick Aldis's office while Bianca Belair was there trying to get a, uh, for whatever reason. <clears throat> A title match with EO Sky, like why? <laughs> it's like, what have you done? 
to get a title match. Oh, because you're uh, Super Bianca. But anyway, uh, so N- Logan Paul was demanding he get his next challenger for the U.S. title. Um, and we're going to find out um, this coming week on SmackDown on the next episode. So that pro- challenger is probably going to be Kevin Owens or unless you know they throw a curveball again. And have Logan defend it in the Elimination Chamber. Which would still be funny as hell. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Uh, make that Elimination Chamber for the US title. Maybe like uh, Kevin Owens, uh, Logan Paul, Austin Theory. Throw in LA Knight and Randy Orton and AJ Styles in there, I guess. I don't know. It, it'd kind of be a waste, though. Um, with uh, uh, LA Knight, Orton, and Styles after that fatal four-way. But, I mean, it's like not like they have anything else to do. So anyway, you also had a fatal four-way uh, tag team qualifying match. The winners were gonna get a uh, crack at oh next week in a, in a in a finals uh, where the winner of that match next week on SmackDown would face the the undisputed tag team champions Finn Balor and Damian Priest at the Elimination Chamber pay per view for the titles in Perth. So Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate, uh, Tyler Bate, I don't know who the hell that is. Um, so they won the four-way over the LWO, Pretty Deadly, and Legato Del Fantasma uh, to qualify for one of those spots next week. And then there's going to be another fatal four-way on Raw to determine who's going to face them on SmackDown this coming week. So, um, I mean, it was an all right match. It was very much in the background while I was doing stuff, so I didn't really care. Um, and I'm just thinking, you know, who's going to take those titles off the Judgment Day at this point? I'm probably thinking um, the Miz and R Truth because I mean that's what they've been running with. So either way, I don't really care. But I mean, prior to this match though, they did play a, a vignette, like a promo package for Legato del Fantasma. Uh, I mean, I'm at least appreciating the fact that they're trying to do these promo packages more. Uh, but I mean, it's like they gotta place them better though because you're trying to do it before a match, like uh, like right before. It's like I don't know, man. I don't I don't know. I think that's my biggest problem with SmackDown, in in well, just in general with these with WWE programming, but especially SmackDown. It's like they really poorly placed uh, pace these shows. It's like, yeah, you're. It's like they're trying to cram everything together into two hours. I mean, I get it. Three hours would be a much worse situation for them, but it's just, it's just like you got to cut time somewhere. And I feel like Triple H, it's like he's really trying to get his long match fixed in. And such, such is the case with uh, this Fatal 4-Way match. It's like, dude, you don't need to be... <laughs> this match shouldn't be as, be as long as it is. No, like, we don't need to see a million of freaking spots in this match. It's like, just keep it short, simple, to the point. Like, it's, it's not that hard. But I mean, still, it was still a solid promo package that introduced um, who Electro Lopez was, to a degree, um, and what their intentions were. Um, for those that either are unfamiliar to this group or maybe to uh, have like new intentions, like what what exactly their new goal is, and that new goal was to eradicate Rey Mysterio's Latino World Order in order to carry the family legacy handed on to them and the Lucha Lib- and to carry on the Lucha Libre mantle. So I mean, they, they have goals. They have goals. It's now a matter of um, you know can the booking execute on that. I mean, we'll see. And it also depends on when Rey Mysterio is going to come back because, ooh, man, he's also got hit by the injury bug. So, I mean, 
We'll see. We'll, we'll see how that group pans out. But for, for this Fatal 4-Way match, yeah, I didn't really care. <laughs> Uh, a little, a little bit later on in the second hour of the show, um, like there, after the certain other segment that we were going to talk about, uh, you had the final testament that's carrying Cross's group with the authors of pain taking on the the Heart Prophets. I mean, I'm not calling them by that other group uh, name that the actual group name that they have because I think it's kind of whack. Um, Bobby Lashley and the Street Prophets, but I'm calling them the Heart Prophets because that's a much better name. So they finally faced off. They finally got in the match after weeks of vignettes. Mind games, brawls with each other. Um, Karen Cross and the Authors of Pain, um, they were supposed to fight at least um, with Lashley and the Street Profits, but it actually, ne- the match never actually got started um, because they j- they just wouldn't stop beating each other up before the bell. Um, so they got into it. Uh, Scarlett Bordeaux, Karen Cross's wife, um, she got involved as well, but in came some chick named B-Fab. Um, I don't know who she is, but Corey Graves mentioned that she was chatting with Bobby Lashley for months now, and she was there for like briefly in those backstage segments. But yeah, it's like I hardly remember it. <laughs> uh, so she went after Scarlet too, and then Lashley uh, gave Karen Cross a spear, and then the Hurt Prophets to tall. I mean, yeah, and it's hard, it's hard to get invested in this kind of feud when, yeah, it's like nobody's trying to make Karen Cross. And his group, like, a thing. But it's just, like, I don't know. The crowd doesn't really seem to care. But it kind of sucks, though. It kind of sucks. I mean, they've, they've ruined Karen Cross. Like, I just don't know what it is, man. I really I really don't know. It's, like, it's, like, the complete opposite of uh, interesting. It's like, I don't know. So then you had, um, you had Meechin, Mia Yim take on the newest call-up from NXT, Tiffany Stratton, and I, I was excited. Um, I was excited about this. Um, Tiffany Stratton finally coming up to the main roster. Um, so let's break it down, like, what happened very briefly. Um, it was revealed that returning wrestler Naomi, um, who, who came back at the Royal Rumble, after she signed on to SmackDown, but it was also revealed that NXT standout and former NXT Women's Champion, who was also at the Royal Rumble, Tiffany Stratton, had also signed on to SmackDown. Um, with little applause, though, from Shotzi, Bianca Belair, and Mia Yim, who Tiffany bitch slapped. Like, you, she, like, she gave a hard bitch slap <laughs> to Mia Yim um, after she boldly complained, uh, boldly claimed that Bianca will remember her. And then she wanted to bitch slap <laughs> Mia Yim. It's like, damn, that was a loud slap. <laughs> Tiffany, like, no wonder why they call her um, the center of the universe, the, the buff Barbie. It's like... Yeah, that was a statement that uh, to be made in preparation for what we're about to see. So that is, that set up this showcase match uh, between the two, uh, more so for Tiffany, for those unfamiliar with her work uh, down in NXT. And you saw a little bit of glimpse of how fast she grasped the WWE world. Uh, keep in mind, for those unfamiliar, I, I do believe that Tiffany Strand didn't have a lot didn't have a lot if not any wrestling background she was a former gymnast uh I think Corey Graves mentioned she was part of team USA uh, but she caught on to the wrestling business real fast once once she entered a developmental she took this shit really seriously and and I I've watched some of her work down at NXT. like I remember watching her match at Battleground I think it was against uh was it Roxanne who was the 
NXT champion at the time. I think it was Roxanne Perez or um, no, it wasn't like Valkyria. Um, somebody, but I also I remember that that point where she first won the NXT Women's Championship, and she was really good. Like she was really good in her selling, Chris moveset, her gym gymnast athletic background. It really shown not just there. I mean during her time in NXT, but here in her debut. Um, there's some things to fine tune, of course, but it's it's gonna come in time, and with more more time on TV, um, the more set she has these matches on the main roster, uh, and then of course you know vignettes, vignettes, promo packages, trying to sell who she is. You know, the more you show, and the more you show, the more people are gonna get interested. I mean, sure, it helps that you tell, but it also even helps even more if you show. So I feel like Tiffany Stratton is a star ready to come out and, and break out even more, um, especially on the main roster, because I feel like Tiffany Stratton is going to be um, a, a big star if they if Triple H and, you know, especially TKO presenter are able to present her right. Uh, I would say I was a little surprised that um, they put her on SmackDown instead of Raw. Um, but I guess because of the Charlotte Flair injury, uh, they put her, they put her on SmackDown um, because they're they're really lacking in depth um, compared to Raw. I mean, it's Raw still lacking depth, uh, like in actual talent, but it's just like not as bad compared to SmackDown, um, especially without Charlotte. And there's no like legit heel for Bianca to feud with. So perhaps maybe this sets up Bianca versus Tiffany at WrestleMania. I mean. I'd actually be down with that. That would be, like, the most interesting match Bianca has had since, like, in a long while. Like, in a long while since, um, I guess, WrestleMania, uh, I guess, a couple of years ago with Sasha, I guess? I don't know. I don't know. Or, what? I don't know. Either way, um, I'm excited to see what Tiffany has in store for the main roster. I hope they book her right. Um, because, hey, she's, like, currently one, one of the few interesting women's wrestlers. Um, I mean, aside from Liv Morgan, uh, that that I can actually watch and see, you know, for for balanced reasons on the main roster. Um, either way, SmackDown is Tiffany time or Tiffy time. Get that right. <laughs> so I can't wait. I can't wait to see what they have in store for Tiffany Stratton um, coming coming soon on the main roster. So now let's get into the actual main events of this uh, SmackDown in this SmackDown review. The, who were the Royal Rumble's winners going to choose? Um, they had to make a choice. Um, Bailey was coerced, uh, was, was cornered into a decision by Nia Jax on Raw. Um, and then, of course, Cody Rhodes was presented by Seth Rollins with a dilemma um, on on Raw as well. So now it was decision time for both of them. First up was Bailey. Bailey had to make her choice of, of who she wanted to face at WrestleMania. So to bring you up to speed on for those of you um, that don't really watch the product or just, you know, a casual viewer, that's just like, okay, we'll check out the Royal Rumble. Um, but we forgot who won the, who won the actual matches um, or maybe someone that it was like, oh, I, I, I watch this very frequently, but it's just like, damn, um, I'm kind of turned off by this. So anyway, um, whether you're hardcore, filthy casual, Somewhere in the middle, or don't watch this at all. Let me pick you up to speed. So for Bailey, um, you know, Bay Area native, uh, 49er faithful, 
what have you. I mean, can't really. I mean, he's the one bearable, the only bearable, I guess you could say. I'm not really saying much of the four horsewomen that I can stand. I mean, not not saying much compared to the four horsewomen. But anyway, uh, Bailey won the 2024 Women's Royal Rumble uh, a couple Saturdays ago um, in Tampa. But now, again, came decision time on who she would face. Um, that decision and win, to the eyes of some people, it's been building up for some time. Um, because since losing the SmackDown Women's title in late 2020 to Sasha Banks, she's I, I guess you could say she's been the sacrificial lamb in certain aspects. Because, you know, since she... Did she ever get a proper rematch with Sasha? I think she did. But whether she did or not, she's been taking loss after loss, um, being relegated to host of WrestleMania 37, tearing her ACL days before Money in the Bank 2021, and then coming back a year later to form this group that I still think it was badly. <laughs> it, it was just It's just terrible. Um, damage control, it's just like very disinteresting. Damage control anyway... Um, with Dakota Kai and EO Sky. Um, then, then after WrestleMania 39, you have these on and off teases of breaking up uh, that group before they became one big family. I mean, there was no dissension initially. Uh, they they held off the teases initially with EO and Bailey um, because Dakota Kai got hurt. And then you continued the teases, and then you decided to come, hey, fuck it. We're going to become one big family. Um, by adding Oscar and Kyrie Sane at uh, before Survivor Series, that's just like okay. But it, 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 anyway, um, so to the fan, to the some certain fans, Bailey was overdue for something. Um, but you know how that ex- how that was executed was going to go a long way. Um, whether she was going to challenge the Women's World Champion Rhea Ripley or do something that most people expected, that other certain thing that we're going to talk about, is going to go a long way on how her road to WrestleMania was going to go. So like I said, was she going to challenge Rhea Ripley like she said she would back in December when the build to her Royal Rumble was was starting? Or would she instead go after someone, a certain someone within her group that is damage control, that's holding a certain championship? Let's talk about it right now. So, before the stage was set, you know, Eo Sky, Asuka, and Kyrie Sane were in the locker room watching a replay of what happened a few days ago on Raw. So, what happened was they were showing the like this progressive match flow um, that was that was showing oh Bailey celebrating her Rumble victory um, before Rhea Ripley came out and then advised Bailey against choosing her for Mania. And then that was before she got, um, they all had to watch her get squashed by Nia Jax, like literally. Um, and Nia Jax also cornered Bailey and gave her some encouragement of, you know, also not going after if she decides to beat Rhea Ripley for the women's world title. And then that's when she said, Oh yeah. Yeah. I'll make my decision. Uh, I'll make my decision on Friday. Yeah. I'll do that. And that gave a look of concern on EO, uh, the cameras caught that. So, yeah. That look of concern, though, on EO was not there um, right after the replay because uh, EO was seen laughing with Asuka and Kyrie's like, oh. uh, they were speaking Japanese. 
Um, but then you want to say in English that Bailey is done. Bailey is finished. Um, but little did they know, um, after they left, Bailey was in the um, was behind was listening all along. So you know, a little some certain something, uh, certain fans picked up that oh, Bailey overheard everything, like uh, Batista did when Triple H unveiled his master plan of having Batista uh, pick JBL on SmackDown near nearly twenty years ago. Oh, oh, more on that in a bit. Oh, more on that in a bit. So they all came out um, with the without Dakota Kai for whatever reason. I'm not sure why Dakota was not there, but uh, Bailey was ready to give her a decision nonetheless. After listing what she had done at WrestleMania, you know, SmackDown and Raw Women's Champion, Women's Tag Team Champion, being a host, um, she said this WrestleMania was going to be different because she didn't get to this one alone. Uh, she got there with her friends, her support, you know, damage control. Um, and you know, she did, she did all that while, um, the other three, you know, EO, Oscar and Kyrie were laughing like, ah. and then, um, you know, when Bailey turned around, they all stopped, like they all started acting serious and all whatnot. Um, then she's already turned her attention to Rhea Ripley, at least for a brief second. So after that, um, she talked about, oh, um, you know, talked about paths, paths that she wanted to go to. So she talked about Rhea Ripley um, and then she mentioned about another path. Uh, she talked about a path where she could go prove people wrong and going against the, the people that she thought were her friends. And then as she ta- was talking about that last part about, you know, going on the path against the people that she thought were her friends, she turned up, you know, she looked, of course, uh, at EO, Oscar, and Kyrie. So, I mean, it was clear and obvious that, you know, she was feeling betrayed and you know where this is going. Um, and, you know, you're already well aware of what they were doing behind her back. So, and then you even got Bailey, uh, Bailey speaking Japanese. Like, okay. <laughs> it's like, it's like she, she knows Japanese. Um, I mean, cool. She picked something up. Um, and she even mentioned that herself. So, Bailey is trying to get all the hard questions out of EO. Um, and... She's, I mean, she's, she has every right to feel betrayed. I mean, I guess. But, I mean, it's just like, okay. This is how we're going to go about it, huh? So, Bailey trying to get all those hard questions out. But the Kabuki Warriors, Asuka and Kyrie, they jump her from behind. Um, and they start attacking her. Um, and they put her in the corner. But little did they know, Bailey had a surprise waiting for them. Bailey was one step ahead. And she had a lead pipe. Drove them off. Uh, drove them away. But then... Once uh, she was ready to attack EO, she stopped. Um, Bailey and EO were in a standstill with the title and then the lead pipe. And then Bailey was like hesitant to hit her and then she let her go away. Before she was declaring, she declared, EO, I'll see you at WrestleMania. And then there you go. So now it's official. Bailey versus EO Sky at WrestleMania. But let me give you a history lesson first, ladies and gentlemen. Let me give you a history lesson first because, oh boy. <laughs> I, I really don't understand some of you people. Like, I really don't understand you people when it comes to, you know, uh, this whole Bailey um, and EO thing that happened on Friday. So, let's talk about Triple H and Batista. So, this story between Triple H and Batista, you know, at least in my eyes, this began in 2003. You know, evolution. Triple H and Ric Flair, the present, 
you know, the the glory, the the storied history, the storied career of those two men. They're trying to build. I mean, of course, you know what eventually what happened with Triple H, but in their vision, they're trying to build up um, the future of WWE. They picked Randy Orton and Batista uh, to form the true version of Evolution. Like these through, well, one of them was a third generation wrestler, um, it being Randy Orton, and the other one was Batista, a another like the six foot five. 300-pound behemoth, that Triple H said. So Batista, was, like I said, also named the future of WWE, and you know, despite an injury that would keep him out for much of 2003, would still go on to have some early success. You know, Coming back, gained that bounty on Bill Goldberg, winning the tag team titles twice with Ric Flair, and then going on to beat The Rock and Mick Foley at Mania 20 with... Uh, Randy Orton and Ric Flair. So I mean, hell, that's that's not a bad two thousand. That's not a bad uh, stretch for uh, of a year for Batista. And then then you get to um, the later part you know, where Evolution starts to implode, starting with Randy Orton, and then several months down the line, later in two thousand four, you start with Batista too. You start to tease Batista leaving. Evolution. He gets insulted by Triple H, um, and he's, it looks like he's going to leave, but then he doesn't. But then, even after that, he starts to evoke some good guy behavior. He starts questioning, like, like in his face, why Triple H and Ric Flair are doing the most disgusting shit um, to certain wrestlers. Um, and, yeah, although he continues to stay loyal to the both of them, you know, like at New Year's Revolution um, and such, Speaking of that, outlast, uh, Randy Orton, who was already ousted from the group, he really broke the dam. <laughs> he really set set the pot on fire. Um, because at New Year's Revolution in 2005, he, he revealed some footage that, oh, hey, but Triple H, you could have saved Batista from elimination, but you hesitated out of the corner because you damn knew well that you wanted the World Heavyweight Championship for yourself, um, which was vacant at the time. So... Batista was pissed about it. He was deaf staring Triple H, and Triple H knew it. He was like, oh, shit. He was like, hey, 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 hey. That's not the point. That's not the point. Uh, I was doing it. I was doing it for evolution. I was I was trying to protect you. I was trying to protect evolution. Um, and then you, you damn well that um, from that point onward, Batista became a threat to the World Heavyweight Championship, Triple H's World Heavyweight Championship. You knew what that was about. So... Triple H became really concerned. Like, you knew damn well. Like, even the casual fan at that time knew that Batista was coming for Triple H. Like, they planted the seed hard for that. Like, I don't understand, like, <laughs> where people are going with this between Bailey and EO. So, this led to Triple H, you know, hey, don't go into the Royal Rumble. Um, stick to the plan. Stick to... Me retaining my World Heavyweight Championship. But Batista did it anyway. So now, um, rather than rush the decision like they did with Bailey and EO, WWE spent the next few weeks after the Royal Rumble in 2005 teasing Batista going after JBL instead. Triple H uh, was trying to come up with this master plan, uh, trying to get Batista to challenge JBL and John, later John Cena for the WWE title instead of him. 
And to do so, he tried to um, get a limousine that looked like JBL's signature one. Um, and, you know, at first, and oh, sorry. And then to have it run over him or at least have Triple H save him from getting run over by it. And then that went through, you know, it successfully went through. Triple H saved him from <clears throat> getting run over by that uh, limousine of JBL. But then Batista overheard all of it um, on that big night on Raw where Batista was set to decide who was going to, uh, he was going to face at WrestleMania. So Triple H and Ric Flair were talking um, in one of the ro- in one of the locker rooms. It was like, sometimes Batista's not that smart. Ugh. And, or something like, I don't remember the exact words. But then, Batista heard everything. He heard the plot <coughs> of, of what Triple H was trying to do. Get him to SmackDown so he can't challenge him on, on Raw. And that's when the big moment happened. Leading to that famous thumbs up, thumbs down segment between Flair, Triple H, and Batista. And, he, and the teases were good too. He thought he's going to go to SmackDown um, and make it a triple threat. No, he stuck to his word. He stuck to his morals. Went went after Batista and Triple H. Uh, sorry, Flair and Triple H. Attacked them both. Powerbombed Triple H. And stayed on Raw to make it a World Heavyweight Championship match between himself and Triple H at WrestleMania 21. So why do I bring that? Why did I bring all that up? Why did I give you all that? that uh, try to make that a clip notes albeit a little long history lesson because people are online trying to compare this even before this happened people were online trying to compare this Bailey face turn this inevitable damage control turn on Bailey to Batista and turn on Triple H from nearly 20 years ago when damn nowhere shape and form that was executed anywhere as near as well anywhere as decent to that like how tell me how that was executed like that sure were there elements of that okay that was like, like literally the only one that was executed well um the, not not even well no sorry no i take that back the only one that was executed in similarity was oh bailey overhearing um oh ba- EO is, uh, bailey is done by eo that's it and even that was kind of botched. So, they, I, I'll say is that they dragged this damage control turn so long, this damage control implosion so long, that it felt like a chore crossed off a laundry list and said, oh, okay, it's finally over. Um, and not in a good way. It's like <clears throat> they teased um, Bailey um, and EO's miscommunications so much that it's like, when you thought it was going to happen, nope, it didn't happen. It's like, oh, they're back to reconnecting again. Oh, it's all good in here. Oh, we thought it was bad, but no, it's good again. So it's just like they kept scrapping it and then bringing it up again. Nope, they scrapped it again. Because, you know, because Dakota Kai got hurt, tore ACL, and also hurting Liv Morgan's shoulder. Um, So they didn't have any answers on how to do the inevitable turn. So, I don't know, man. I thought the whole segment was just like, I know people are praising it like to hell, but it's like, damn. Like, I didn't see, I didn't evoke the same emotion as many other people are, are feeling because uh, that was not good. 
that that was kind of poorly executed. I mean, you know, Bailey has cut better promos than that. You know, I mean, not, not to say that. Oh, she's a she's one of the best promos ever, but it's like I don't know. Maybe it's just me, or it's like I don't know. I I I know that words were there. I know the words were there. I mean, I'm no no actor or anything, but I don't know. I feel like there were more promo. There were Bailey has had better promos where she had more passion than that. The one on Friday. Um, and then when you can hear towards, like, you can hear it. You can hear the passion that she had when she was trying to get some questions out of EO. But I felt like it was too late. I felt like it was too late for that. So when you had Batista, though, turning on Triple H and Flair in 2005, he let his actions do the talking. He did speak. But the initial SmackDown contract, the thumbs up, thumbs down, and then powerbombing uh, Triple H to the table, it was pretty, like, that was simple shit. That was simple uh, actions, doing the talking. It's like, you knew what this, where this was heading. It's like, you know, actions speak louder than the words. Like, you don't need to add some extra shit in there. It's like, you know, hey, Triple H, I'm staying, um, I'm staying right here on Raw. Like, I mean, there you go. Simple as that. I mean, as I mentioned in my Royal Rumble review, there are many better ways to set this up with having, I mean, no disrespect. I mean, I thought Bailey winning the Rumble, it was it was the right choice, but it's like, not if you're going to do it this way. Not if you're going to rush this. <laughs> if you're not going to rush the turn like this. Because, like I said, what you could have done was, you know, Bailey get costed the Royal Rumble, have Bailey lose the Rumble because damage control turns on her there. Um, even though people would have been pissed, but still, it, ma- it would make her a sympathetic figure. It make her even more, fans rally behind her even more to get to to EO or maybe even Dakota too if she was the mastermind behind it. So that would have her go through the elimination chamber, run through the gauntlet of Oscar, Kyrie. Hell, if she has to go through Dakota too, if she was healthy and cleared, then do that too. Earn her keep inside the elimination chamber or in a handicap match um, to get the EO Sky at WrestleMania. Like, doesn't that sound more appealing to you than what we got on Friday? It's like, damn, like this sounds hell rushed. Like, like this, this, this segment that we got looked really rushed. Like, it was like a speed run. It was like uh, that Batista Triple H storyline sped up, uh, speed rushed. Any percent, pal. So they be, they really have, better have a good follow up uh, for these two because what I saw on Friday was a piss poor attempt at that, a piss poor attempt at what we saw in two thousand five. So anyway, we also had the other uh, Royal Rumble winner, Cody Rhodes, uh, the American Nightmare. He had to make a choice on which champion was he gonna face at WrestleMania. So was he gonna choose the World Heavyweight Champion Seth Rollins, or was he gonna choose? Uh, Roman Reigns. So, unlike last year where he could only choose Roman Reigns, like I said, he had to choose between one and the other. And Roman Reigns came out first, and oh boy. He decided to drop some truth bombs, some pipe bombs on Seth Rollins in the World Heavyweight Championship. So, actually, for context, um, for uh, this segment, the main event segment, Seth Rollins made his pitch to Cody days prior on Raw, why 
he should face him for the world uh, championship instead of Roman and the undisputed WWE title, claiming that his title was the workhorse title, a.k.a. the one that Seth defended at every show since winning it, despite a bad back and a bad knee, and the one that was created because of Roman's less-than-part-time schedule, using up all that PTO. <laughs> and Roman decided to eviscerate him, decided to put Seth in his grave, put that World Heavyweight title in that grave in less than two minutes. Like, damn. Like, for as much as I crapped on Roman's booking since SummerSlam last year, this is a very good reminder of how damn good he has become as a mic worker. Um, I mean, in-ring, it's left a lot less to be desired, but promo-wise, like, damn, dude. He eviscerated the fuck out of Seth Rollins and, and honestly, the entire Raw, uh, Raw men's division. He downplayed all of his previously beaten opponents that were previous challengers to Seth Rollins' world title, mocking his injuries like living around <laughs> like a camel, um, dressing as bad as Becky Lynch, which is true, which is true. He dresses like, what the fuck are you wearing? <laughs> I love I love that comment. It's like, yeah, eh, eh. <laughs> and then saying that, yeah, I, I appear less than you, but I also make more money than you. So, I mean, that, that part's fair. All while calling the World Heavyweight Championship the loser's bracket title. Like, damn. Damn. Like, I, can't knock, I cannot knock Roman for that. Because that's exactly what the World Heavyweight Championship is. It's a second-rate title. It is the loser's... It is the loser belt. Um, think of it like Grimm's Joy Show's loser belt. Loser weight title. So, it's like, Damn. <laughs> it's like how do you come back from that like how do you combat that if not you're not just Seth Rollins but if you're whoever's gonna be the next champion from that it's like yeesh yeesh so anyway Cody Rhodes comes out makes his grand entrance and all but then we get a commercial great because of course we do um so after the commercial um he went on to give his, his claim uh for Roman Reigns give his answer to the entire world. Um, he still wanted Roman Reigns' title because it was the one that his father held in Madison Square Garden, but he was oh so close to grasping it, but he is quickly taken away from him. He finally went on to explain what finishing the story meant to him, which I thought, I said, I said he needed to explain what that mantra meant to him, which, well, he explained the part, that part with, just with his fodder and why he wanted to win the title, you know, the Madison Square Garden stuff. Um, and the other part was either taking the title or everything away from Roman Reigns. So, hey, at least they were finally making some progress on on Cody, potentially finally, quote-unquote, finishing his story against Roman Reigns at this year's WrestleMania when they failed to do that at last year's WrestleMania. But then they went on to do some very questionable things. Then that's when people really turned their heads in that Friday night. Cody claimed that he still won Roman's title and for Roman Reigns, but not at WrestleMania. And I was like, oh, uh-oh. I think I know where this is going. And I know, I know where this is going. I said this in my Royal Rumble review. Watch out. 
And he mentioned about taking counsel, especially from one person that knows Roman Reigns very well. And I knew it. I tweeted about it just seconds as soon as it happened. It's like, watch out. If you're a man, what the rock is cooking. Oh, shit. I knew it was going to happen. I told you. I told you. Just watch out for the rock. Watch out for the rock um, to find a way to get into the storyline between Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes. Um, even if Cody had won the Royal Rumble again. I mean, although I didn't imagine it this way, though. Um, but damn. Damn, dude. This was rough. This was very rough. Um, so out came The Rock after shake, and he came out doing his usual entrance. And then Cody Rhodes was looking at him, giving him a death stare. It's just like a death stare of, man, I, I'm heartbroken right now. And then he, he shook, he shook Cody, he and the, uh, Cody shook hands. Um, and then he told him something and Cody was seen smiling, but then Rock was telling something that made him like, oh, <laughs> And then Cody was walking off all dejected, and he, then the, the cameras panned back to The Rock, and he stared into the eyes of his cousin, and then they went to a face-off, and the cameras cut off um, as there was a signage, a graphic that said, oh, there's going to be a press conference at Vegas on Thursday, and looks like we're getting this match in two months' time at WrestleMania 40 in Philadelphia. Oh, boy. And that's why I said earlier on this in in this episode, people were very divisive. People were either pissed or they were happy about this the way this episode of SmackDown ended. Because they were either feeling the Rock versus Roman is finally happening at WrestleMania, but the others were feeling poor Cody. He just casually handed his guaranteed Wrestlemania spot to The Rock and now he has to do something else it's like the, and he has to finish the story but the others are like fuck the story it, like we we have to get this dream match between The Rock versus Roman it's like what about you Dylan where do you stand on this entire debacle you've seen all like delve into the flames into the into the burner on on just not just Twitter but on Instagram, and now it's making headline news for all the wrong reasons. Like, TMZ is even covering this. USA Today is covering this. Hell, even Logan Paul. Logan Paul, of all people, um, who is currently employed by WWE, doing all uh, his things on YouTube, his drink, Prime. He even went on to say on Twitter recently, we want Cody. So he's in on the trend, too. And you even have all these trends saying, hashtag we want Cody, uh, justice for Cody, uh, the woe movement, hashtag woe movement. So, damn. It, it, here are my thoughts on this. Like, it, this, this is interesting. So, let me say this. Let me say this. I get it. This is no doubt in my mind going to do big money. If this match is made official, if this match is made official, um, I, I assume it will be in Vegas. Like once they do that Vegas, uh, press conference in Vegas on Thursday, 
Um, like it's gonna do big big money and big numbers for the WWE. The Rock versus Roman Reigns was always gonna be the one dream match that many have longed for, including myself. And I'm not gonna lie, since Roman Reigns became the tribal chief in 2020. Like, especially in like the peak, the bloodline, the bloodline story. Like, I was anxiously waiting for that match to happen, especially last year at WrestleMania. Going into that, going into that WrestleMania, I was anxiously waiting for the Rock versus Roman Reigns to happen because it just fit. It just really fit, you know. The Rock being in Hollywood, um, going one on one against the WWE Champion Roman Reigns, not just for the title but for the the pride, the honor of their family, the head of the table. But now that now that we're here, now that we're now that we're at this point, I mean, I'm still glad the match is happening, but it's a year too late. It's a, it's it's one it's one year maybe even two years too late, and to be honest with you, for as I'm glad it's being that the match is happening, it might sound contradictory, um, it might sound hypocritical, but I really don't like how this is being handled like at all. It's like, I really don't like how we even got to this point. So, you know, I talked about it in my Royal Rumble review. Like, don't rule out The Rock um, getting involved in Cody's road to WrestleMania somehow, despite Cody winning the Rumble. And, well, I can't believe I say it, but I called it. But, again, not in the way I imagined it. So, man, this is a mess. This is a big mess. Because, on one hand, you know, I'm not much of a fan of Cody Rhodes, but he actually managed to finally, like, at least write in an explanation for why he should, quote-unquote, finish the story um, at WrestleMania and why he had validity to win the WWE title from, from Roman. It was the title that represents WWE, not Seth's World Heavyweight Championship. You know, the, the loser's bracket title that Roman said. And that was the one title that Dusty... Um, almost captured at Madison Square Garden like all those years ago, but then it got taken away from him. So he made a he finally made a valid point for what finishing the story meant, but yet he got made to look like the biggest cuck, the biggest loser in probably all of professional wrestling if it stands hold the true that he gave away his WrestleMania spot, his guaranteed WrestleMania spot to The Rock, to Dwayne Johnson, if that comes to pass, if Cody doesn't even get a chance to to earn his keep to to face off against Roman before WrestleMania, Cody looks like a cuck. Cody looks like a damn near loser. Like Seth, Cody, the World Heavyweight Championship, every, like literally everyone, <laughs> the WWE. I mean, they all look like losers. Like, like damn, that that is just an absolute. Brutal testament to how everyone, like even Rebel H, views, views, views those people in the WWE. I mean, aside from Roman Reigns, like shit. So everyone in everyone in the higher ups of WWE, whether it's Nick Khan, Ari Emanuel, and Triple, I guess to a degree Triple H, because I guess this is not a Triple H thing when you think about it. They they all fucked themselves over. They really fucked themselves over when. They let the the Rock or Dwayne Johnson, Dwayne Johnson, hop on board 
um, the board of directors, you know, giving him full ownership of his rock man mantra, but now he's pulling his weight. I mean, look, we like the rock for what he did in his pro wrestling career, but damn recently it's like, yeah, these, he does some nice things here and there, but it's like, ugh. like it, it's from what I'm reading. It looked like rock looks like Dwayne Johnson pulled a Hulk Hogan. He's using his new political power, and essentially, essentially, he said, "Sorry, Cody, your WrestleMania story is not gonna work for me, brother. Uh, not gonna work for me, Jabroni. It's time for Black Adam to tush push himself into saving this mess of WrestleMania like Jalen Hurts on the Philadelphia Eagles." So, oh boy, yeah, I feel like this all could have been avoided if The Rock and Roman at least set this match up earlier, like much earlier, at least six months earlier, like SummerSlam, like some, like either SummerSlam or Money in the Bank in London. It's like, damn, because you could avoid all this if you set that up earlier, or if you even had The Rock come in, win the Royal Rumble instead of Cody, um, and that at least give Cody another speed bump in finishing the story. So it's like, it's like, like it, this, this would render Cody's back-to-back Rumble victories essentially meaningless, because it said now Dwayne Johnson says like, "Oh hey, I'm I'm the Rock, I could just swoop in and and screw the entire card even harder at WrestleMania," because that's essentially what he's doing. He's essentially fucking over the entire WrestleMania card. I mean, we'll see what what happens on Thursday, but it's just like if this comes to pass, it's just like I don't know, man. Like I I can't really like. For as like I said, as much as Rock versus Roman's gonna uh, get in big money, big numbers at WrestleMania, it's gonna that's gonna be a short term effect. But what about the long game? You gotta think the long game. And then you're gonna have other people like uh, certain YouTubers, certain wrestling accounts on here. You know, after WrestleMania, saying oh, why, why isn't why isn't WWE grow? Why isn't WWE gaining in the big ratings anymore? Um, as like they did on the road to WrestleMania. Well, duh. <laughs> you 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 put all your chips on the table for Rock vs. Roman on night two, and then you let the rest of the cards suffer. The WrestleMania card's already broken as it is because, well, not only of the Vince McMahon scandal, uh, but because, you know, Brock Lesnar getting name-dropped in that scandal. Now he's going to miss WrestleMania uh, because, well, they can't, they don't want him um, in any light whatsoever. Because, um, and now CM Punk is out with, with a triceps injury. Because damn, so this is a broken WrestleMania card. This is a broken 40th anniversary WrestleMania. So Seth versus Punk was already fucked. Now even Roman versus Cody too. I mean, I'm wasn't the biggest idea, biggest fanatic of that. Not even in the slightest. But at least you would have gotten a little bit of payoff for that. So you also fucked over some potential like other opponents for Seth Rollins, like Gunther. Um, your other backup plan, and especially Drew McIntyre. Like, damn. It's like, what are you doing? Like, what, what, what is TKO? What is Dwayne Johnson doing? So they also p- potentially fucked up any other, other wrestler out there. The Triple H, you know, he still doesn't know how to fit them on the WrestleMania card. This is two months. We're two months away from WrestleMania 40, and you still don't have an idea. Uh, what the rest of the WrestleMania card is going to look like. Like, you still don't know if you're going to do something with Randy Orton, LA Knight, and other wrestlers. Like, like you don't even have the other 
women's world, w- w- the women's world title match set in stone. Like you don't know if you want Becky uh, Rhea Ripley to face Becky Lynch, which I still disagree with, or you don't know if she's gonna face Liv Morgan finally get her revenge. You don't know if she's gonna face Jade Cargill. You don't know if she's gonna face Nia Jax. You don't know if you're gonna have some random tag team showcase or whatnot. Like what do you, what do you, what do they even try to do over there in creative? I mean. Like, I, not to say I can't write anything better, but it's just like, damn. It's like, get, you get, they got to get their shit together. They really got to get their shit together because this is a mess. This is a big time mess that they got in their hands. But when it comes to this Rock versus Roman Reigns matchup, my biggest issue is that doing this now is not only terrible timing, but... The WWE title is still involved in all this. Like, I wouldn't have a problem with this if they're if they're just fighting for the head of the table. And don't give me this bullcrap of oh, Roman Reigns is not the head of the table if if the w, if he doesn't have the WWE title. Bullshit, bullshit. He has said like he he is literally retconned that like numerous times. Like especially in the build to SummerSlam, is like, hey, you want the. You want the you want you want this? You want the lay to Jey Uso? Here, you can take it. You can take it. Take it all. Like he literally he, he literally retconned that in the build to SummerSlam. So like I don't understand. Like I I don't understand what the hell we're doing here. So if this happened last year, I wouldn't have a problem with it because it made more sense. Like I said, Rock's a Hollywood guy, Roman was still at the peak of his bloodline arc. Um, but now, well, Roman still has the title. The bloodline story has dipped significantly. Um, so has his reign. So have his lack of appearances. And The Rock, you know, he still has name value. But, man, has his stock dropped. Not in a bad way. Not as bad as Roman Reigns, but it's like, damn. So, now we're supposed to believe that um, Rock taking the title off of Roman's going to Humble him? Like, like, come on, man. There's even reports out there that say, oh, they're considering that uh, Rock's going to win. He's going to push to win against Roman. Like, what? We're going to end Roman's near four-year title reign um, to The Rock? Are you serious? They can't be seriously thinking about that. Like, and at this rate, I would either have Braun Breaker, build up Rush Braun Breaker, or... Or get Gunther, or get Cody Rhodes. Just get Cody. I don't know, but The Rock, or they should have just had Jay Uso take the title off of Roman Reigns at SummerSlam. Like that was the best opportunity. That was literally the best opportunity they could have done. Yeah, Jay Uso, the the title off of Roman Reigns, even if it was a transitional reign, and go from there. Because when you look at it, this is a very predictable title match. Um, that even the casual fans' eyes. They think either Roman's going to retain, I mean, or The Rock's going to win. So, money match, but very predictable outcome. Like, this is a very loose-loose situation for for not just WWE, TKO in the long run. I mean, sure, they'll get all the big money. Yeah, yeah. But they're going to lose in in the long game. They're not just going to lose after WrestleMania. But damn, they're gonna suffer. This card's gonna suffer um, if they don't figure this out quick. I mean, I'll I'll let it play out for the next week or two. But they gotta get the shit together. They really got to get their shit together.
And there's one way that they can try to salvage this. There, there's one way. Um, that's pending on what happens on Raw, depending on what happens in the press conference. And that's this. Cody never mentioned yet that he would choose to face Seth Rollins. I mean, sure, people are implying that um, at WrestleMania. So if he still wants to go after Roman, they could do what they did with John Cena back in 2008. And when he fought Randy Orton at No Way Out, they have him fight Roman Reigns at the Elimination Chamber in Perth. And I know people are saying, oh, Roman's not advertised for Elimination Chamber. They have two weeks. They can still put him on there. I mean, I'm not saying it, they will, but it's just like, don't rule out that possibility. So you can have Cody and Roman at the Elimination Chamber, run it back, and this time have The Rock involved to stop Jimmy Uso and Solo Sokoa from running interference, and that's how Cody wins. I mean, yeah, finishing the story at a B-level pay-per-view, not entirely um, as appealing as at WrestleMania, but I mean, it's in front of 60,000 people in Australia, um, but it's something. And that fuels the fire in this Roman and Rock story, and now Roman actually has beef, gets more beef with The Rock as they clash for the head-of-the-table status at WrestleMania. In the true main event of WrestleMania. So at least that gives some more unpredictability. That gives more chance for The Rock to win. Um, and hum- actually humble Roman. Like wouldn't that be more more appealing. Than you know. Uh, Roman defending the title. And then Roman's just going to win anyway. I mean I just feel like we're stat padding. Roman at this point. I mean don't get me wrong. I still like Roman's uh, tribal chief run. His, his, his head of the table stuff. But it's just like damn. His title is. Is later half of the title run, especially since SummerSlam, it's like we need to do something. We need to do something right now. So as I said, I, I mean I'm probably rambling on at this point. It's like I'm glad that this match is likely happening. You know, it probably is. I mean, they're probably confirming it um, in Vegas, but we'll see. But I really. Don't like how we got here. Like, I really don't like how we got here. I mean, I mean, I know The Rock has been on a publicity tour, um, trying to get that match set up, um, trying to make trying to make it happen. Um, whether it is WrestleMania this year or WrestleMania next year at a WrestleMania. But I mean, yeah, yeah, also have to look, you know, the rock's not getting young, any younger, so he probably wanted to try to get it in. But it's just like the timing's all wrong, man. The timing's all wrong. Like, Cody just won the rumble. I mean, I kind of feel bad for him because, like, damn, The Rock just came in and just stripped it away from you, a, a, a main event from you at WrestleMania. So it's like, ugh, I kind of feel bad for him. So, you know, the, the match sounds good on paper. I mean, it's a dream match that everyone, including myself, has been wanting. But it's just like, <sighs> The Rock better do good. The Rock better show up and do good in the ring um, after not having a match in over 10 years because... You damn know well that the Philadelphia crowd, a hardcore wrestling crowd, a smart mark wrestling city. Yes, two months out, two months out, they're going to be damn near hostile as hell. They're going to be damn near negative to both him and Roman. Um, I mean, it's still early to say, but if this continues on, they're, they're going to turn to shit on this match. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, 
I'm going to continue to let this play out. We still have some time. Um, but I just feel like they, they, they kind of fucked themselves um, with this whole ordeal. It's just like, shit. This is messed up. I mean, I know it's business, but they could have done this in so many different ways. So let me know your thoughts on this whole shebang, this whole fucked up situation with Cody giving up his spot um, to face Roman at WrestleMania um, to The Rock. I mean, let's wait and see. I know everyone's mad. Everyone's pissed. Everyone's going to probably hijack the shows. Um, it's probably not going to work like it did with Daniel Bryan almost 10 years ago um, with Randy Orton and Batista. Probably not going to work, especially with TKO in charge. So it's probably not going to um, work that this time around. But we'll see what happens. We still have Monday Night Raw. We still have uh, the WrestleMania kickoff press conference in Vegas. And that gets made official. Um, whatever they say. Well, you just have to wait and see what happens. That's all I can tell you at this point. So anyway, I went on a pretty long time. I I need to say what I need to say. Uh, but let me know your thoughts on this whole Rock versus Roman uh, craziness and Cody getting left in the dust to go and fight somebody else potentially at WrestleMania or probably not at all. Um, in the comments below on YouTube or on social media, send me a DM. Talk about it. Um, get your anger out um, on Twitter and Instagram at Very Cold Lasagna. But... Until then, that is it for this episode of Very Cold Lasagna. I am your host, Bill Lasagna. Thank you for tuning in to episode number 182, talking about SmackDown, talking about uh, Bailey's WrestleMania decision and Cody's WrestleMania decision uh, in this kind of longer than expected episode. Uh, but kind yeah, of let the feelings out uh, as well. So let's wait it out. Let's see what uh, comes of this. And yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. But anyway, this is Dylan Lasagna signing out of another episode. And until the next one, keep the lasagna very cold in the fridge with your takes on the world of sports. And we'll be talking about the Super Bowl uh, this coming week. Uh, my Niners and Chiefs. Uh, the Niners taking on the Chiefs um, this coming uh, Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Uh, real soon. But until then, well, uh, until we get to the preview episode, peace out.